You're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis, and alongside me, like always, Sir Colin Jackson. We're going to get right into it, Colin. Uh, to start off, training camp has come and gone. Uh, the Pistons play plan on using a 9-10 to man rotation during the preseason, and Van Gundy is using primarily scrimmages during, uh, you know, training camp time. I shouldn't say it's come and gone. It's still in the process of happening, but it has, it's underway is, is the better term there. But uh, Van Gundy again came out and said that he likes using scrimmages as it tests more of kind of in-game skill sets rather than what you can do in fundamental drills. Yeah, and I do definitely think that scrimmages are the way to go for training camp. When you when you signed all these new people, brought them to the team, uh, a lot of them are unproven or free agents that have tried or had had NBA careers that didn't go quite the way they planned, like Hakeem Thabit. Or and I feel like this is a good way to see what they can actually do in the NBA and see how they work together as a team. Yeah, and you know we've we've gone over this before. One, a huge part of bringing in new players is chemistry. You got to see who works well with who from a coach's standpoint, who works well with who, uh, who doesn't work well together. I mean, you think about the Miami Heat when they brought in the big three and what everyone say, oh, man, they have the championship in the bag. They are going to be unbelievable. How can you stop three superstars like Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron? They ended up being relatively right. Now, that season they didn't win a championship, but they made it to the NBA Finals, but we all know their success of, you know, their dominance in basketball the last few years. But they also had the benefit of those three guys have spent time playing together for Team USA. Now, the Pistons bring in guys like DJ Augustine, Karam Butler. You still have a second-year player in Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Jody Meeks is new, and you have a new coach. Van Gundy needs to see, you know, what every everyone's skill set is obviously he has a basic understanding of it but he's never really seen it in person in games so scrimmaging uh, I definitely think is is the way to go moving on now the Pistons plan on rotating Drummond Smith uh, Josh Smith that is and Greg Monroe as their starters in the preseason the first game Van Gundy started Andre Drummond at center and Josh Smith at the power forward Uh, we'll chime in on your thoughts on that and then we'll go into kind of more details on it well I do think that Josh Smith when you take the three away from Josh Smith he's a much better player this game he attempted one three he made one three we got lucky there or the team got lucky there but as far as great Monroe still being effective off the bench I think he definitely showed he could be effective off the bench uh scoring 24 points leading the team in scoring just as a bench player uh none of the starters for the Pistons got above 13 points and that would be Andre Drummond and Jody Meeks so even the point guard, Brandon Jennings, or Josh Smith, or Karan Butler, who pushed a zero for the game, uh, I think it's a good strategy to use Greg Monroe as a burst of power off the bench. Now the game Colin's talking about is the Pistons' first preseason game against the Chicago Bulls. We'll go uh, into more detail on that in just a minute. But getting back to kind of the Pistons' big three, last season they tried playing all together under Maurice Cheeks and John Lawyer. It didn't work out. Van Gundy said to the media it hasn't worked out. Now, he's not completely closing the book on it, and it's preseason, so this is time to kind of experiment. And he said that he'll try those three out together at the same time, but he doesn't 
really want to do it. So for now, he started Josh Smith at the four, Drummond at the five, Greg Monroe coming off the bench. That's personally, I think, the smartest move for a few reasons. One, I think Josh Smith kind of fits the mold of what Van Gundy wants to do. He's not a great three-point shooter, but he still can do a better job of spreading the floor than Greg Monroe can. You know, you, as a defender, you let him take that three-point shot, but you still have to keep it in your mind that he's willing to take it. Whereas Greg Monroe, no defender's going to worry about him taking a three-point shot, and that kind of changes each team's mindset. Now, additionally, Monroe uh, signed his free agent tender this offseason, which means he'll be back for one more year, potentially more, depending on what happens between him and management. But this could potentially lower his value because he might not be playing as much time. His production uh, levels could go down based off not getting as many minutes. Now, in his first preseason game, he put that theory kind of to rest. But again, it's only the first preseason game, and Van Gundy wanted to see how Monroe would react coming off the bench. But, you know, if the Pistons really want to bring him back and Monroe's open to coming off the bench, this could slightly lower his value, which could be beneficial. Uh, Also, you know, Josh Smith is a much better defender than Greg Monroe. He's someone who can shift over alongside Drummond and protect the rim a lot better than Greg Monroe can. Yeah, and I definitely see this happening. And as far as your point about this potentially hurting Greg Monroe's value, I guess to me, I need to see what value there. It's not so much I'm saying he's a bad player because he's shown that he deserves to be a part of this Pistons team, and he's made himself an integral part, and he's shown a lot of talent. But he tried the free agent thing this summer, and he didn't quite get the offers he wanted to or go as far as even measuring the offers he could get. Uh, there were rumors going on he said no to this much or this much or this much, but he even said so himself. He can't say no to an offer he didn't get. So that's why part of me thinks that's why he's playing for the qualifying offer in Detroit this season. And also there's still the whole DUI thing that also as far as attitude issues go, as far as I know this is a one-time thing and a lot of athletes have had struggles with the law, but as far as this hurting his value, I think whatever gets him the most productive, off the bench, on the bench, I don't think it matters. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. Uh, kind of side note here, Josh Smith said to the media that he prefers to play the power forward spot as compared to the small forward spot. He just feels more comfortable there. Now, if that's true, which I don't have any doubts towards that, you can't play both of them at the power forward spot. So one of them would have to come off the bench. If Monroe's open to it and he can be just as effective as he was against the Bulls Tuesday night, then I think that's definitely a smart move and it gives you a great first option off the bench. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on both in the preseason and as you know as we approach the regular season. Uh, moving on now, the Pistons on October 8th had a meet-the-team type of event. Uh, they had a free open practice at campus Martius Park in down down in excuse me in downtown Detroit. What are your what are your thoughts on that, Colin? Well, going down down downtown <laughs> is always a great thing for the team to be uh, doing. Getting back to the city, they've been criticized. They're not the Detroit Pistons; they're the Auburn Hills Pistons. And personally, I don't think that really has the same ring to it. Meanwhile, the other Detroit sports, uh, the Red Wings playing the Joe, uh, the Lions playing Ford Field, uh, Tigers playing Comerica Park. 
where the Pistons, miles away from the actual city. So anytime they get back to the city closer to the fans, I feel like that helps the organization, especially one that struggled with ticket sales in the past. Well, the Pistons have done things this offseason to help improve the Palace of Auburn Hills, such as bringing in a new mega scoreboard, which it seems like all the stadiums are doing now. But, you know, there's definitely that kind of asterisk next to their name, next to Detroit, because like you said, they play in Auburn Hills. I've been to lots of Pistons games over the the course of my life, and I, I, to be honest, I like the Palace. I thought, you know, back in the Pistons' heyday when I was alive with Billups and Sheed and, you know, that great team, that place was packed, the people were enjoying it, and they didn't care. What, I mean, they might have cared, but you couldn't tell that the fans cared that they weren't in Detroit. So, you know, the recipe for success comes from the team, not where the location is. Now, obviously, I think it would be great for the city of Detroit if the Pistons moved there more than necessarily it'd be great for the Pistons. I think they could succeed wherever they go in Michigan for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, Take that with a grain of salt. But, you know, the the city of Detroit, I think, is slowly on the rise. And a move like that, maybe joining forces with the Wings and getting in their new stadium that Mike Illich is building, could do wonders for the city. So, you know... That's definitely. I don't. It's not going to happen anytime soon. I give them less than twenty years, though. Honestly, Auburn Hills, maybe thirty, but oh, I think yeah. it would be the. I, I mean, I 20, think it could happen. Twenty years is about the mark. I think it could happen within fifteen, maybe ten, but I'm talking immediate future. I I wouldn't mark your calendars for the opener, uh, the Pistons opener in Detroit. So, something to think about there. Moving on now, Aaron Gray, a new Detroit Piston who signed uh, this past offseason, was ruled out indefinitely after going through a cardiac episode. Uh, That's the reason why Detroit decided to bring in Hashim Thabit. And, you know, it's sad to hear for Gray. I don't know what this means for his future with the Pistons as they have 16 guaranteed contracts. You have to assume Thabit, who signed a non-guaranteed deal, will make the roster because the Pistons need a backup center. So could Gray be cut? Could uh, Cartier Martin be cut? Could Tony Mitchell be cut? Those would be the three guys I'd keep an eye on as to who's going to get released. But in order for Thabit to make the roster, the Pistons have to make some moves. Really, though, and it's just you feel bad for the guy because coming into the Pistons, uh, he hasn't had a bad career. He's done nothing personally to deserve losing a spot on the team. Uh, it's not like he didn't play hard enough or anything like that. He just, you got to watch out for your heart health. And we've seen so many recent news stories about, especially people in high school, enlarged hearts falling dead after scoring the game mm-hmm. winner. And that's just tragic and something that needs to be attended to more carefully. So especially with a big man like Aaron Gray, it's not hard to believe that there's poten- some potential heart problems there, and it's tragic, but hopefully he can get healthy, and hopefully the doctors and the cardiologists can get it under wraps so he can compete for that backup spot to Andre Drummond with Hashim Thabit. Yeah, now reports say that he'll be reevaluated in a couple of weeks. Hopefully this isn't the end of his career. Um, by no means is he a Hall of Famer, an all-star, or you know someone who gets their jersey bought as the bestseller on NBA.com, but he's had a decent career as a role player, and, you know, the Pistons brought him in for a reason. Clearly Van Gundy sees something in his abilities that he wanted him on his squad. So 
we wish him a speedy recovery and wish him the best. Now, moving on to back into training camp, the Pistons have started two-a-days. They had two-a-days twice a day, every day, except for uh, last Saturday. This was this past week. They went twice on Sunday. They went once on Monday, which is uh, the day before they played the Chicago Bulls. And I think the two-a-days have come to an end now. But, you know, two-a-days, I don't, I don't know what your experience was in high school with playing sports, but I played high school soccer, and two-a-days, they can be fun, but, boy, they can be brutal. And boy, do they build character, though. And I think that's what a team that needs to become a family, uh, a team that needs to come together, I think that's what they need, as well as the scrimmaging together. We talked about that earlier, learning to play as a team. Well, now exercise as a team, suffer as a team, bond as a team. Yeah, and, you know, a huge part of two-a-days, especially in the preseason, right before you're getting into your season, is fitness. And I've seen several reports come out saying the Pistons could be the most in-shape team in the league, which, you know, last season they struggled with fourth-quarter leads. Could have been due to a lack of fitness. The guys who were out there just could have been tired and the other team was more in shape. If that's the case, then Van Gundy's already got them headed in the right direction for success. And, you know, they blew, I don't have the number in front of me, but I would have to say 10 to 15 games last year in the fourth quarter. If you increase five of those, I think you're right in that playoff hunt. And Parrish is staying competitive throughout the whole game. The Pistons clearly had the talent to come out there, out the gun, boom, boom, boom. I feel like that's part of what Van Gundy did with the preseason uh, signings this sum- this past summer when he just added depth to the roster with people like DJ Augustine who can just come in the game, just be almost as competent as Brandon Jennings can and have just keep the shots coming, keep the offense rolling like it should. Now, like we said, the Pistons already have one preseason game under their belt. A couple things to watch for as the preseason games continue. First off, let's let's look at the shooting guard competition. Jody Meeks versus Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Meeks started the first game, played 25 minutes, went 4 for 12 uh, from field goals, and 3 for 8 from outside the arc, had 13 points in total. But I got to tell you, Colin, Contavious Caldwell-Pope looked sensational. Played 25 minutes off the bench, shot 7 from 15, 4 from 8 from downtown, had 18 points, and he did have 5 fouls, which that's not something you like to see. But good start for the young man coming into the preseason. Oh, most definitely. Uh, the reports early, he ruled summer. He ruled the summer league pretty much. Uh they brought in people like, actually, Jody Meeks to come replace him. He didn't do as well as he was supposed to his rookie season. I think he realizes now he's playing for his job. His back's against the wall. He needs to be the person Detroit, Detroit needs him to be. And as far as him doing that, so far, he's continued his summer league successes. He was the second highest scoring person on the team. And that's actually coming off the bench, too. The first, of course, being Greg Monroe with his 24 points. Uh... KCP with his 18 points off the bench, uh, four for eight from the three. I think this is a definitely good spot for him, a good start for him. And that's the thing about a competition. What makes it so great is that you have one guy feeding off the other person's success and reaching that much more to be better than them so that they win the starting job. By no means is this Meek's job guaranteed yet, in my opinion. 
I think Contavious Caldwell Pope, with the offseason that he's had, he has great defensive abilities. You know, if he keeps these types of performances up, I think he could definitely overtake Meeks for the starting spot. And I definitely see it being a possibility uh, this season. As far as experience goes, I still say Jody Meeks has him on experience, and for now at least should be the should be the starter. But like keeping uh, Great Jennings, I'm sorry, Great Monroe on the bench, keeping uh, Jody Meeks on the bench too could definitely help the team in the future. Or not Jody Meeks, uh, KCP on the bench could be beneficial for the team's continued competitiveness throughout the game. Yeah, I've I, you know we've talked off the air about this competition between these two shooting guards. I brought up the idea to you that Meeks coming off the bench could actually be very beneficial to this team. It's more of a risk, but I think it brings a lot of upside because what do you bring a guy off the bench for to give you that quick spark? And you know, like I told you, what gives you a big what gives you a bigger spark than a three-point a made three-point shot? Boom. Not a whole lot. Right there. Now, obviously Pope did his part in making three-point shots. He's a good three-point shooter. But Meeks, I think, is at another level. He might not have shown that in the first preseason game, but that was part of the reason Detroit brought him in was because he's known for making that three-point shot. Detroit was one of the worst teams in the league from downtown last year, and Van Gundy, he likes the three-point ball. So they need guys who could come in and drain that three, and you have a veteran who could come off the bench, you know, kind of would be more settled in and less nervous because he knows he's going to get his minutes no matter what as compared to a guy like Caldwell Pope, who still very young is thinking, gosh, I can't mess up too much, or coach is going to put me on the bench. Yeah, and uh, confidence is a huge part of uh, being a player in the NBA right now, you, or especially on this team, which has struggled with confidence, struggled with the losing environment. Uh, Jody Minks has had these chances in winning environments. He was part of the LA Lakers for the last two seasons. Although they didn't do as well as one would have hoped, he still was in that environment where the expectation is perfection, especially with someone around Kobe Bryant sitting down the bench from you or in the, in the locker room across from you. You know you can't just slack off. You know you have to do everything you need. To, you know you have to give it your all always. Meanwhile, KCP, who's been in Detroit his entire NBA career, he hasn't his short career, but... He still hasn't had the stability needed, the same guidance, the same pressure on him. It's not, I'm sorry, but Josh Smith uh, sounding off in an interview talking about the work ethic on the team isn't the same, doesn't carry the same weight to me as someone like Kobe Bryant who talks about we need to do this, this, this better. Someone like Steve Nash in the locker room with me talking to me. It's just not the same environment. So now that Jody Meeks is in Detroit, yeah, it's a little less pressure, but at the same, he knows he's going to get his minutes, but I feel like he's still going to bring that drive that Detroit needs. That's a great point you bring up. Meeks is a seasoned vet who's played for a few teams in the NBA. This is only Pope's second season in the NBA where he spent both of them with Detroit in a losing culture. And in college, he played for Georgia, who was kind of middle-of-the-pack SEC team, but he was the guy. You know, he didn't have that someone to look up to to show him the right way. So... That's definitely a great point that you bring up, that Meeks has seen leadership and what makes a good leader. And, you know, he might not have always been on the most successful teams. You bring up the Lakers team, even though they had Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant. They were one of the worst teams in the league. But he still sees what those guys what those guys put in, maybe not on the court because they weren't able to physically produce a product, but he sees the leadership in the locker room. And I think 
that will be huge going forward. You know, Van Gundy brought in guys such as Karam Butler and DJ Augustine because they're good clubhouse guys or locker room guys, bringing in a baseball term. But, you know, the Pistons, it's not a secret. They've struggled with their culture. You know, guys like Rodney Stuckey and Rip has had his problems with Detroit coaches in the past. Tracy McGrady had some problems when he was a Piston. There's always seeming to be a problem between some of the players and the coaches. And when you have a guy like Stan Van Gundy, who's now not just your coach, but your president, and he gets to decide who plays, who doesn't play, who's on the roster, one, I think you're going to spend more time listening to him, trying to interact with him, and get on his good side. But, you know, if you're doing things in the locker room that shouldn't be done, he's going to ship you out of there before you can say sayonara. And a change, I just want to point out, after this first preseason game against the Bulls, that says to me at least, it could have just been a freak occurrence, that the Pistons are starting to play a little bit more as a team or at least understanding that on the court that they need to get whoever needs to score the ball is the 10 assists coming from Brandon Jennings, who we were talking off the mic that he didn't really shoot that well. He was 3 for 12 attempts, but he, I guess he realized this and started passing the ball more. Uh, 10 is by far more than any, any more assists anyone else got that day too. And I guess because the others were shooting better and he realized, I'm not shooting well, here's the ball. You do it, you score, we win. Yeah, well, Jennings last season actually averaged a career high in assists per game of about 7.5, but you know he struggled to shoot the ball, and he came out and said that it was the worst season of his career due to several different factors, including the coaching change of Maurice Cheeks. But, you know, let's go into the point guards a little bit more in depth. The Pistons have Brandon Jennings. They signed DJ Augustine. They also have Will Bynum, who didn't play the other night due to an injury. But, you know, some things to look for in these preseason games. One, who shows leadership qualities? Passing the ball, getting guys to their spots, running plays, doing things on the bench when you're not in the game that just, hype team morale uh to who's taking smart shots Jennings struggled with it from the first game he went three from 12 from inside the arc uh one from four from downtown and his one made three-point shot was actually a three-quarter court buzzer beater at the end of the first half so clearly he wasn't taking great shots from downtown how does Van Gundy use his three-point guards I guess he uses them for competition the same way he's been using uh, Greg Monroe, Josh Smith as competition for the small forward spot or uh, DJ, oh, I'm sorry, Contavious uh, Caldwell-Pope and Jody Meeks at the shooting guard. You need to have that competition there. I get better, you get better, I get better, you get better. And we mentioned this before. Uh, you brought up this point. Brandon Jennings is still the better player on the court, the person you want leading this offense uh, after tip-off the first game of the season. But that doesn't mean DJ August- Augustine can't have an amazing impact on the team because he really can. And I feel like as far as depth in the bench goes, uh, with after this first game, with this first uh, bench lineup, after uh, with Gray Moreau on the bench, uh, Kyle Singler on the bench, KCP on the bench, Diego Aus- Augustine on the bench, this team is set up way more than they were in past seasons to keep the offense propelling down court and not give up these big leads like we used to. Yeah, I agree. Let's, I mean, to make another baseball reference, you look at the Tigers who won the AL Central and made the playoffs, 
But what were their two big downfalls? Lack of a bullpen and lack of a bench. And the Pistons now are heading in that direction where I think Van Gundy can start to count on guys coming off his bench to give him good minutes. And, you know, when we get towards March and April and hopefully Detroit will be fighting for that maybe 8th, maybe 7th, maybe 6th pole season spot, bench is going to be a big factor and can separate teams from making the playoffs and, you know, punching their lottery ticket. Now, moving on, we talked about the big three. Drummond, he, great player, played for Team USA this past summer at the FIBA uh, World Cup. Didn't spend a lot of time on the court, but, you know, that definitely impacted, impacted his game. The big thing for me going into the season is, has he improved his free throw game? Will he be able to avoid hack a drumming? And that's something I feel like you need more than just one game to see. But as far as a big man goes, yes, it's kind of it's a running hilarious joke in the NBA. Shaq couldn't shoot threes. A lot of big men couldn't shoot threes. But come on, your team needs you at this point. Just learn to shoot a three. Spend 50, spend like an hour before practice every day. You wake up, shoot a three. Eat breakfast, shoot a three. Or sorry, shoot a free, free throw. throw. I'm getting tongue-tied right now. I'm just getting so worked up thinking about Drummond's lack of ability to shoot from the charity stripe. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it would be that hard of a thing to just put some honest effort into and improve because hack a Drummond isn't the way the Pistons are going to win games, especially if it's... Because you can't take him out if the game's that close. You need the man for rebounds. You need the man for defense. Mm-hmm. You need the man for offense. You just need him to shoot these free throws so it's not as good as, oh, let's hack him. He's going to miss these two. I'll get the rebound, score for the other team. That's not how you're going to win a game. One thing the players have brought up to the media is how Van Gundy is very regimented. They point out that if they do something wrong, Van Gundy, he'll let them know about it. He'll call them out. Supposedly he does it during scrimmages. If you make a turnover, don't make a right read. He'll stop the scrimmage and call it out. Ultimately, you think this is good coaching tactic? Do you think the players will work well with it, or do you think they'll just stress them out? I think it's definitely jilting to be in your rhythm. Uh, you do something wrong you don't normally notice, but you're still in the rhythm, and then all of a sudden you get the whistle, uh, you got to stop, and you got to go back and redo what you did wrong. I guess for something as mental as a free throw, I guess that would be kind of disruptive, but at the same time, you're in the motion. You don't always notice what you did wrong. The coach stops you. He's like, what did I do wrong? Well, that man was open. You took the shot and you missed. That's what you did wrong. And then if that keeps happening enough and that happens, if that gets to you, as long as you can keep your wits about you, because in, in a real game situation, you're not going to be calm. Things are going to be jilting. So if coach can do it every now and then, occasion, if coach can do it consistently and you can learn to live with it, get past the distractions and improve every time without feeling scolded or like a whipped dog or something. I feel like it's definitely going to help you be a better player. All right, we're about to wrap it up here on 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports. This is Horsepower. I'm your host, Cameron Billis. Alongside me is Colin Jackson. But before we go, let's do a quick recap of the Pistons' first preseason game. The Pistons won against the Chicago Bulls 111-109 to in overtime where they actually blew another fourth quarter lead even after outscoring Chicago in the quarter. They were up late with just a couple minutes to go. We pointed out this earlier, very similar to last season, 
would you take away a benefit that they came out with the victory, or is it still not a great sign that they're blowing leads late? Any blown lead, a victory is a victory, but when you win by this low of a margin, just a bucket, no. You really can't take any pride out of this victory. Maybe going into the third quarter, the game was close, but you could still take pride out of it knowing that you're still fighting hard, you're staying in this battle, especially with D. Rose back in Chicago. But at the end of the day, when all's said and done, yes, you won, but do you really feel any better for it? I think you're being a little bit harsh. I mean, you still beat the Chicago Bulls, led by Derrick Rose and terrific head coach Tom Thibodeau. You know, guy's a mastermind on defense to score 111 points, albeit in overtime. Couldn't have made him too happy. Now, yes, you blew a lead late uh, with just a few minutes to go, a lead you should have never blown. This game should have been over in regulation, but... You know, you still beat the Chicago Bulls, who many consider the favorite to win the Pistons division this year. Yes, Cleveland's in our division, but like we said earlier, they don't. Kyrie and LeBron and Love might not have that chemistry together yet. The Bulls team, a lot of their core has been together for a long time. They brought in Pau Gasol. That'll be a big addition to them. Taj Gibson will finally get a chance to showcase his talents with Carlos Boozer in L.A. So. Yeah, you blew a lead, but it's the first preseason game. It's your first real test against other opponents besides your bench or your starters if you're on the bench for Detroit. So you won the game at the end of the day. That's all that really matters. I think Van Gundy can work with this. I think it'll be a great learning experience from them. You know, that's what separates coaching, good coaching. You have someone like Van Gundy who can take that victory, see the points that really stood out and how you blew that lead and tell the guys, hey, this is what you did wrong. We still won, so you can learn from it. Whereas a guy like Maurice Cheeks might not have done something like that and wasn't able to explain to the to the guys in the locker room what they did wrong. He just said, oh, okay, it's a victory. So, you know, you can learn a lot more from winning than you can from losing. So, yeah, we blew a lead, but we still held on, and I think that was the most important part. And I do see where you're coming from there. <clears throat> I do see where you're coming from there. And yes, exactly what you said. You can win a lot more from winning than you can from losing. And it's about what you take from it. And as far as preseason goes, yeah, I know I'm hard. I'm being harsh on them. I just, you, you're trying to stop this season from being like last season. You brought in all this new staff and basically the same thing happened. So I guess be, I changed what I said a little bit. Be proud. You beat the Chicago Bulls, especially with a healthy Derrick Rose. But just try and keep this from happening again and I guess that's where Van Gundy's coaching in the locker room comes in you did this great you did this poorly let's work around it let's build it up we're still playing around with the lineup and we'll see where this takes us hopefully by the time the real season starts it'll be a lot more finely polished we'll make these same mistakes but at the same time a lot of good things happen in this game that we'll hope to continue all right well you're listening to 88.9 WDBM Impact Sports this is Horsepower I'm your host Cameron Billis. Alongside me is Colin Jackson. The Pistons' regular season home op- or regular season opener is set for Wednesday, October 29th against the Denver Nuggets in Colorado. Their home opener is set for November 1st against the Brooklyn Nets. And for all MSU and Detroit sports news, make sure to check out the Impact Sports website at impact89fm.org/sports. Cameron Billis, Colin Jackson. Thanks for listening.